Welcome back to The Francisca Show, a Jewish coffeehouse podcast, the show on which everyday creatives share their unique journeys. I am Francisca, a singer, composer, music producer, podcast coach, and also your host. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone, to The Francisca Show. Today, we are doing a special episode on Botox and plastic surgery and how it has infiltrated the From Orthodox community today. And I hope this is going to be an informative and entertaining conversation. And before I introduce our first guest on this episode, I'd like to just remind you that if you are passionate about any specific topic, industry, or just you have a message to spread and you're thinking that podcasting may be that thing for you, quick reminder, I'm a podcasting coach and I help people like you build your brand and share your message. So make sure to reach out to me and schedule a call with me. And now to our episode, I would like to introduce Dr. Barbara Gordon-Cohn, who is an osteopathic physician, originally from New York and now living in Jerusalem. I'm so excited to have her on the show and talk about Botox and fillers in Israel specifically. So welcome on to the show, Dr. Barbara. Well, thank you. Thank you. Tell us how you got into this industry and have you always worked with from people or was that something you got into later as demand grew? Okay. So I started working with this in 2006. Uh, it basically started with a friend from college. Uh, she was a dentist and I'm a physician and she was getting Botox. So we were like in our early forties then. And she wanted, you know, she, it was, she was getting charged a lot of money. She lived in Connecticut. So I said, why don't we take a course and then we can learn about fillers and Botox. And we did, we took a course. Um, It was a two day course. And then after that, and we had to bring a patient of ours in, but they got to get the treatment for free, which was great for them. And then we started to practice on family and friends and, uh, and then, we started with working with patients and uh, and as far as my own client practice, I have mixed Orthodox and non-Jews. So it was a mix of people that I would have. And I started with like um, having um, open houses for to, to advertise, to learn more about Botox and dermal fillers. And uh, we would bring people in that way. Uh, then it was just my own patients word of mouth, like that I'm doing this and that, you know, that was like, okay, great. I want to do this. So, uh, it was very interesting too, just to say that I'm an integrative physician. So my patients who are more alternative minded were like, you're doing Botox. That's like really like interesting that you're doing Botox and you're like a more integrative doctor. And I said, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually started with, um, people who had cross-eyed and, uh, cross-eyed, um, and they used it for that in the very beginning. And then they started to use it for um, paralysis from strokes um, with spasticity and pain and then migraines. So there was this other component to Botox that was as well, besides actual fillers and, you know, uh, cosmetics. And, um, and I, I just, by doing this, I saw that I, everyone loved it and they weren't getting any long-term problems with it in, in any way or form. I've, the biggest side effects with any of these things are um, bruising at the site. And, um, you know, if you're not going according to the procedure, Botox is very uh, procedural. Like you have to go in, work with 
within certain parameters. Uh, you have to know where you can go and where you can't go. And it's just very exacting. And um, so it's kind of like following a recipe. So as long as you follow the recipe, you're going to be fine with it. Uh, fillers is more creative because you're not just injecting in and out. You're going along parallel to the skin underneath the dermis or the epidermis underneath and you're filling in along the way. So that was more creative. And I'm a lefty and lefties are supposed to be more creative. So uh, I do have a creative side to me. So that was like actually more fun because it's definitely more creative. Uh, and uh, fillers are, are completely natural. They're made of hyaluronic acid or hydroxyapatite, depending on most of them are hyaluronic acid, which your body produces. So it's just getting you when you fill in an area with hyaluronic acid, you're getting your own body to even produce more of it. So eventually you need, um, you need the injection less, you need the filler less often. And Botox works by uh, blocking acetylcholine release. And by doing that, um, the muscle can't contract. So it's working in different ways. Um, and you know, my goal is to get them most orthodox patients, I have to say, want to look natural. They don't want to look fake. They don't want to look like dummies or fake. Okay. So I have <laughs> so many questions here. So let's dive in. The first thing would be, you know, for me growing up, Botox and plastic surgery is something we associated with Hollywood. And now Instagram influencers and everyone around us seems to be doing it. So tell me this, is this like a dental cleaning where people come twice a year or four times a year? Or is this something that from women are doing before Simcha or any other special event in their life? So you have all kinds of women and some people do it just for Simchas um, or special events. And some people are very aesthetic and um, appearance is important to them. Uh, and as you, you know, when you start turning, you know, going into your forties and fifties, that the face starts going down, things start to, you know, fall, you're getting more wrinkles, you're noticing more. Um, and if you're, if you are more of an aesthetic person, you're going to notice these things. And so those people come in, whether they're religious or not, they're, they're going to want to come in and prevent the lines from getting deeper because once they get too deep, it's, it's very hard to correct with Botox, you start, then you start to need filler. It becomes more complicated. So um, we know the Hollywood people start in their 20s, which is like pretty young. Um, but I would say most women start in their mid to late 30s until uh, average is in their 40s and all the way up into their 70s, 80s, 70s, you know, all ages. But uh, the earlier you start with the uh, Botox, the better off you are as far as prevention. I think the biggest concern people have, and it may be a myth, so please bring some clarity to this. When you think of Botox, you think of, I don't know, maybe Dolly Parton or any other faces that look bad due to Botox or overdone. But we'll see the mistakes or the bad effects of Botox instead of seeing all the people we don't notice who are using it well. And is it 90% to 1%? And can you debunk the myth for us, maybe? Uh, you know, everybody's an individual. Like I said, in the Orthodox community, people want to look natural. They don't want to look like fake. Um, so with Botox, you can dilute it a certain amount. Uh, so you don't have to make them like that they can't have any expression at all. So the dilution is uh, if you have a hundred unit bottle, you can dilute it um, with normal saline, like four cc's, you could dilute it three cc's, two cc's. 
Um, so with the 2cc, that's the most concentrated. It, it's like really, it's really like they can't move. So usually with the people who want more of a natural look, I, I go with the 4cc and they're very happy. It's more diluted, but um, they're happy. They're not frozen. They're not feeling it. Um, there's a little bit more movement. Um, and again, if if you don't want that frozen look, you would do like maybe you would do here and then here don't do as much so that there is a lift going on. So it really just depends on each individual what they want. I mean, I have some people that they want, I want fat lifts, not so much in the Orthodox community, but in the regular world. Um, you see it almost once in a while, you'll see it with Orthodox once in a while, but it's not as common. Um, but, uh, you know, everyone is a, a, another story. I have people, I would say the majority of the Orthodox community, they, they won't tell their husbands. Their husbands don't notice anything anyway, unless they're artists. <laughs> um, and that's how they do it. But there's a few who do tell their husbands. I have one patient, client, whatever, she, she works in the athletic training. So she, she advocates for it. She's like, you want to look good, you know, physically and, and you want to like your face, you could do something with your face. So she tells everybody to get Botox and fillers. So we're all, you know, it just depends on what we're doing and how we're, so she would come in and bring clients with, uh, she would actually walk them in, you know, and she would come with them and hold their hands, you know, cause it would be their first time. Yeah. So since you started to where we are today, have you seen a big difference and spike or is this something just for the rich? Maybe you can talk about the pricing as well. I know in the States, it starts the ranges from $600 to $1,300 per Botox injection. Can you fill us in on what the process is like? And is this only for the rich? And if, if women are hiding this from their husbands, how can they hide it from the bank accounts? So fill us in here. Yes. Well, women work and they save their money and they, and they come in. Um, I would say most of my clients are patients, clients are middle class. Um, there's a few who are rich, but it's not mostly for the rich. I would say, you know, everyone's doing it now. Um, it's not that terribly expensive. You could either, you know, you'll see it like per site or per unit. So it depends on how the physician is going to advertise it, but per site in general would be an area. So the area between the eyebrows is usually around six injections here. And that's anywhere. The price is anywhere from 250 to $400 for that area. For six injections. But for those six injections. Yeah. Um, and then here you have, we call them crow's feet. Okay. So over here, if you get lines. Here. So for people who are listening on the podcast, they can't see you. Oh, okay. So can you okay, just so the crow's yeah. feet are the, you know, I guess you call it the Marlboro man, the, the man with the, the lines from the outside of their eyes. So from the outside of their eyes going towards their hair, you have lines and call them crow's feet. And that area, there's two, two sides, right? So the whole thing is anywhere again, between 250 and 400. And it's also depending on how many, how much you're injecting. So if somebody, I would say the average is six injections for three on each side, that's the average, but sometimes it could be more. So again, depending on the physician, it could be per unit. And then it would be, again, that it could be anywhere between 250 and 400, maybe even a little more if someone had really, really bad crow's feet. Your clientele, are they mostly from? Do you feel like you're getting more from clientele? I would say the majority are Orthodox. Um, there's a few who aren't. 
but the majority are. Yeah, because, you know, it's kind of word of mouth in my community. So yeah. uh, I started with my community and I had some open houses just to demonstrate what Botox is like. And I'd have like, you know, five to six people in my home. This is before COVID. And I demonstrated it. So and then they were interested. And then from there, it was maybe I got, you know, a dozen people from my community. And then I advertised. And that was more than when I advertised, that was more people who weren't religious. So you know, it's interesting where, where you're going to get your clientele from. But it's, it's really just spread now, like, it's definitely in the Orthodox community. It's not even a, a question, you know, it's there. People know about it. Side question. The earlier you, you start, is it preventative or do you look so much worse if you started Botox earlier in life when you're older? If you start to see any little bit of lines going on between the eyebrows or lines here, which you don't have, or lines here without, without like, you know, without, you know, trying, without trying, right. you're starting to see a little bit of a line, very subtle. You, you should get started. You should get started um, because once that line gets a little deeper then it's it's harder it's harder and harder the, the deeper the, the more difficult it becomes to actually just use botox sometimes you have to fill it too so then it becomes more pricey and more difficult so um you know i i have a patient who's in her 20s actually she's let's see how old she 28 and her mother it's very genetic by the way um, so her mom has really deep lines between her eye eyebrows and she doesn't want that. So she already starting to get the line and she's like, I don't want that. And so I do her, you know, three times a year, basically every four months is about average. And then down the line after two or three years, you'll see, you'll need it like twice a year. And then eventually it's once a year. So it becomes less and less oh. doing this. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of nice. I thought I thought you were going to say the opposite. Because what it's doing is it's blocking that acetylcholine, so your muscle starts to become thinner, becomes thinner over time. So there's less to create a wrinkle. Yeah, very cool. Two more questions, and this is a little bit more psychological and less practical, I guess. What goes through a woman's mind? to wake up one day and say, okay, today I'm going for my first treatment. Oh, it could be something like their friend got a treatment and they really like the way their friend looks. And they're like, Hey, I want to, I want to look like that. Where, um, I just, yeah, you start noticing it. I'm, we're all different, but you start noticing certain things like whether you have frown lines or you're getting like your cheeks are getting thinner, less full or, you feel your eyebrows drooping and this starts to happen in the forties and fifties, depending on the person and their genetics. And you just like, Hey, I don't, I, I feel, I start seeing things that I don't like. <laughs> it's the aging process. So that's kind of what happens. It's like you start seeing yourself in the mirror and you feel like you're aging, you know, lines, wrinkles, droop, falling, thinning out. And you start, saying, hey, I don't look the way I used to look anymore. <laughs> I want my youth back. That's kind of, you know, and I tell them, listen, usually the way I, when I do this work, usually afterwards, I'm going to tell them, I tell them, the truth is, this is the truth, is that your, your friends aren't going to notice that you, they, you had Botox or Philodon. What they're going to, they're going to say to you, like, did you get your hair cut you, or are you, you look really refreshed? Did you go on vacation? Like they, they can't really tell what it is, but they see like 
something like not not something like Botox, but something like you just look more rejuvenated. You look more refreshed. It's not going to make you really look longer, younger per se, but it will make you look. Yeah, it will make you just look, like you got a facial you know, more rejuvenated. Interesting. You don't want to look like you're 20 when you're 50. That's the truth. You want to look your age, but you want to look better. Yeah. And that's just what I get with my patients. I want to look better. I don't want to look like I'm 20. I want to look better. And just to clarify and go even deeper on this, it's not like they want to look like a Hollywood star. They want to look like a better version of themselves. Exactly. Because there's this from stigma or I don't know, at least I have that where it's like, that's a guyish thing or wanting to look younger, more beautiful is a Hollywood idea. Right. And that's not what they want. They just want to look more refreshed. Like when you get your hair cut and it's styled, you look more refreshed or you go on a vacation, you get a tan, you look more refreshed. And when you get this, this is, this is really what these women want. They want to look more refreshed. That's all. And, you know, less, less drawn, less fatigued, less, just more, you know, vibrant. Yeah. Have you ever told a client or a prospective client? No or this is enough, this is where you stop or come back to me in a couple of years. Is there a line you won't cross? Or is anyone and how they feel about themselves an open book and you'll keep going as long as they're paying you? So I will tell the truth because I think the truth is important. If somebody has like lines all over their face and there's something called static lines and lines that um, change when you contract your muscle. So static lines aren't going to change no matter what you do. And you can fill all you want. You can do it, but they're just going to always stay there. So I will let them know if their lines are static and there's nothing you could do for them or whether these particular lines are more are are lines that can be dealt with, whether it's Botox or it's filler. Um, I will let them know, you know, I mean, I I think it's important to let them know Um, if, if we got a lot of, frowning going on and you know fat in this area happening you know the chin and, and neck area for hard area it's a hard area you know i mean it's like either a mini facelift or cool sculpting or you can work with it but it's going to cost you're going to need a lot of syringes of filler because you have to you have to fill in the jawline and pull it back and the cheeks a little bit lifted up so there's what to do, you know, it's not like one syringe is going to correct a big problem. So it really just depends on the extent of the situation. Um, and then sometimes it's just, I would say the majority of my patients do not do more than two syringes of filler because they can't afford more than that. So I'm not getting the wealthy, wealthy where it's like, do whatever you want. You know, like, do I have, I have like a few patients like that, do whatever you want. They don't care. They have so much money that it doesn't matter. So, but that's few and far between. And uh, the majority of patients, you know, aren't going to spend more than two fillers. So I have to use them wisely. (laughs) I have to use them very wisely. And then I, and I, and then I'll tell them the truth. Well, this is a, a partial, I would say this is a partial treatment for you. You want to look better. We could do more. If you're happy with the way you look, then let's just give it two weeks. And if you want more, you come back in two weeks. So I try to be on the conservative side. And because this time, this way we can play, we can, we can always add, we can't take back, but we can always add. And where can people find you? Either on my website, uh, drbarbara.com. In Israel, I'm in Malia Demim and in uh, Jerusalem. 
um, near Mamela Mall and, and Ramada Shkol and Ramali Adamin. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Now we are speaking to Dr. Jen Simmons, who practices function medicine and actually lives here in Philly, right next to me. And uh, we are going to be talking to her about her more reserved opinions toward Botox and plastic surgery. Please tell us what you do and a little bit more about what functional medicine means. So just to give you a little background, I spent the bulk of my career being a breast surgeon and being specifically an oncoplastic surgeon, which meant that I operated on people for cancer, but then I did my own reconstructions. Um, And when I didn't do my own reconstructions, when I worked alongside with a plastic surgeon, because there were times when I did and times when I didn't, I was always very, very concerned about the aesthetic, how people looked afterwards, right? And I, in my own journey towards health, figured out along the way that like the tumor wasn't the problem. The problem was far deeper and what was causing the tumor was the problem. And I wasn't materially changing anyone's life, the trajectory of their life or their future health by taking out the tumor. And I learned that because of my own journey with illness and what I discovered along the way was functional medicine. And To boil it down to its like lowest common denominator, functional medicine focuses on health. It focuses on optimizing function and focuses on wellness. Our traditional medical system is entirely based on one of disease. Like you have to live your worst life and get sick before you go into our medical system. That's what it's geared towards. And once you develop the disease, the treatments, quote unquote treatments, are designed at masking the symptoms. So, you know, every surgery, every surgery, every pharmaceutical, they're there to mask the symptoms. They're not there to make fundamental change. They're not there for root cause analysis. They're not there to improve health. They're there to mask symptoms. And so as we start to talk about all of these kind of aesthetic procedures, these plastic surgery procedures, they are more of the same, right? Because they're not they're not getting at or addressing the root cause. They, and, and so oftentimes, so often, people who go to plastic and reconstructive surgeons to, let's say, have their nose done, in, they end up going again and again and again because they're looking to fix something that's not actually the problem. Because beauty isn't whether or not your nose is perfect or straight or and or big or small or any of that beauty is something that is far deeper than that and the feelings that are behind beauty which are you know self-confidence and happiness and all of those things they're not derived by what you see in the mirror they're derived by underlying health and so And the way that we get underlying health is that we lead a life that is consistent with that. And so, you know, while I'm at Torah study every week, we're constantly talking about these kind of quintessential Jewish values that actually have a lot to do with how you're healthy. And 
And when you're healthy, you often aren't looking at those things that are fixed by a plastic surgeon in the same way. I love how you tied it all in together so beautifully. I am curious to know, clearly there is a difference between corrective surgery after undergoing surgery because of an illness or disease versus something that's purely cosmetic. Yes. Although there, there are some lines that are crossed. Okay. So a lot of people have rhinoplasty, have revision of their nose because they can't breathe. But what they don't know is that so much of why we can't breathe, and there's a whole book called Breath by James Norton. I don't know if you know know it or have heard about it, but a big part of why we can't breathe is because so many of us breathe through our mouth. And when you breathe through your mouth, you change the entire bony structure of the skull and the sinuses as a result collapse. So just nasal breathing and having a practice of nasal breathing, and you would think that it's automatic, but it's not for so many of us. So having a practice of nasal breathing allows the sinuses to open up, changes our palate, changes the structure of our, of our face. And that alone might be enough for you to get enough oxygen to your brain to feel happy about the structure of your face. So, so much of that can be often corrected in other ways that are just not automatically thought about, maybe because people don't know, and maybe because it's not a quick fix. And so many times in this American culture, we seek the quick fix because that is what, that's the message that's put out there. Like why fix it yourself when you can have a doctor fix it in a couple of hours. But that often requires revision after revision after revision because it doesn't work. You're not getting to the root of the problem. And so after time, that problem just comes back again. Let's say we have a classic Jewish mother who has baby after baby after baby. And then as plastic surgeons love to say, there's no exercise for skin. So you have the classic tummy tuck desire for a surgery like that. What would you tell a woman? She doesn't want to necessarily look like a model or a Hollywood star. She just wants to look like she looked before she had her five, six, seven, ten babies. Yeah. So to some extent, I'm going to agree that that's true. And then the flip side of it is that, well, I don't know if we're supposed to look like we didn't have all of our babies because that's a big part of us, right? And I I was having a conversation the other day with someone and they were pining for their to go back and redo their teen years and I looked at them and I said, you wouldn't have your children. And like to me that would be unimaginable. So um I don't know that everyone wants to turn back time, but supposing that you did in your in your body, I would say that there are so many things that we don't talk about along the way. For instance, how you eat when you're not only when you're pregnant, but how you eat all the time just 
determines the health of your skin, how your skin looks, how your skin behaves, the hydration, the amount of um, exercise and the kind of exercise that you do, your mental state. This all determines the, the health of our cells and the health of our cells really matters in terms of how we look before, during, and after children. So there are there are so many things that we can all do, and it's never too late to do them, to really fundamentally change the health of ourselves, the health of our skin, the health of our muscles, the health of our bones. And so, you know, maybe, maybe you are someone who can't be perfect, but I know that you that everyone can really improve the appearance of everything with the right combination of the diet that's right for you because not n- there's no one way of eating that's right for everyone. Um, I happen to be a vegan, but I know that that's not correct for everyone, that some people really do need some degree of animal products in their life. And whatever everyone chooses is okay with me. For me, food isn't, isn't about religion. It's about whichever one is right for you. And so, um, I'm, I'm not saying that plastic surgery is wrong in terms of correction for extra skin and stuff like that. I just, I just like to approach it with the, have you, have you really done everything to maximize your health first? Because you can operate on skin all day long that is not going to last for very long. Wow. And unless you materially change, you know, the reason your skin doesn't have elasticity, that next procedure is going to be there and waiting for you. And just for anyone listening, I am looking at Dr. Jen right now and her skin looks super tight and and <laughs> smooth. I, I don't think she's wearing a, a filter on Zoom. I'm not. So, I'm not wearing a filter. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's super interesting. I'm curious if you have anything else you'd like to share while you're talking to women who maybe throughout this episode have been convinced that they need to start preventative Botox at 29. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, my my feeling is that um, it's all at the end of the day about nourishment and I know that we talk a lot about this in the Jewish community because our religion is a is a huge part of nourishment for us. But we get nourishment from a lot of places. And when I did my training, and all of my health coaches underwent the same training that that I did. Um, and uh, in the very beginning of our training, we talk about primary and secondary food. And it's the secondary food that you're putting in your mouth. And that's very, very, very important. And I talk to everyone about, though there's no one diet for everyone, everyone benefits from being on a whole food, plant-based diet. Every, the majority of what everyone should be eating is whole, whole plants, right? 
But the other piece of it, that primary food, is all the other nourishment that we get. So it's our relationship. It's it's the love. It's the friendship. It's the air that we breathe. It's the warmth and comfort from our environment. It's our social connections. That's what really nourishes us. That's primary food. The secondary food is what you're putting in your mouth. And we all need that. But we need the primary food almost more. Like if you think about it, we can live for weeks without food. But we don't live for weeks in isolation. We don't live for weeks without water, which is, you know, the nourishment uh, that water is the source of life. And so um, when you think about it that way, that's, that's really where we're getting our health from. That's really where we're getting our nourishment from. And if you, if your buckets are being filled, if you're feeling nourished, then the other stuff has very different meaning to you. And you glow, you glow, you do, you glow from the inside out and everyone can see it. And we actually talked about this last Shabbat. Everyone has that person that, that, that Moses, that person that just glows, that that you look at and you know is special, that radiates in your presence, that you just know that that they have a spirit and and a light in them that just shines. And you you just feed off of their energy and that can we we all have that in us. We all have that in us. And it's just a matter of tapping into that and you can't get it from Botox. You can't get it from any plastic surgeon. That's something that has to come from you. Um, I feel like I'm talking to a rabbi who's... (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just, I'm thinking, you know, when you're in quarantine and you have little kids and you just, I'll run into the kitchen, hide in the pantry and just shove anything into my mouth (laughs) because I'm not getting that nourishment anywhere else. And that's why this, this problem, that's why quarantine is so very dangerous for, for so many of us. And it has nothing to do with the virus. And I think that the, the real harms that are going to come out of quarantine are that we spent all of this time focused on the virus, focused on a vaccine, instead of focusing on our health. Because a healthy population this virus is not a threat to. And, you know, it it went through my house. My children were asymptomatic. My husband was asymptomatic and I was sick for a day and a half. And I'll tell you that I can't remember a cold in my life that I got over in a day and a half. People don't get over flu in, in a day and a half. And yet we don't shut down the world for that. And this virus does pick on people who are not healthy, but instead of taking that as the signal that we need to be healthy, we did the same thing that we do with everything else. Where's the shortcut? Where's the quick fix? And let's hide inside until then. 
And I so worry about the devastation that is going to come at the hands of that because this isolation is so bad for everyone. You're not alone. Everyone is hiding in their pantry. Everyone has been home alone with their children, with no escape. Nothing's filling their buckets. They're not with their friends. They're not in shul. They're not getting what they need. They're not getting their nourishment. And it's just this never-ending cycle. And I, I really, really worry about that and all of the manifestations that are going to come from it. I really do. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not telling everyone to run out and get COVID. Believe me, I'm not. But that um, I also think that you have to weigh the, the um, devastating effects of what social isolation has, is doing. Wow. This has been a really powerful and informative conversation. I did not know what I was going to get myself into when we got on this call. So I'm really pleasantly surprised, you know? You know what? If you if you are in a wonderful place and you have crow's feet, then go get Botox and, and feel good about it, right? But But my feeling is that you cannot... You cannot fix not feeling good about yourself with Botox because if, if your self-worth is because is whether or not you have crow's feet, you have, there's, there's so much more going on there. And, um, when you pursue health and when that is what is motivating you and when that is what is happening, the amount of joy that you feel kind of like makes you celebrate that crow's feet. Like, I don't know, I don't know how else to describe it, but you know, when you're happy and you're in a loving relationship and, and your buckets are being filled, Botox is not a meaningful thing to you. But maybe it's like a facial or it's a treat. And, and maybe it, and maybe it is. So that's why I think I, I'm not anti-Botox. I'm, I, I just think that it has to be contextual, right? In that Botox is not going to make you happy. I, I, I guarantee you there's no, there's no scenario where Botox makes you happy. That I agree with 100%. Thank you so much for clarifying. Dr. Jen, this has been so nice. I'm so happy we're connected. And you are so generous for coming on to this show well, I'm happy to be here and, and share this time with you. And I look forward to more conversations in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Now make sure to click on the next episode to check out the from patients who have decided to use Botox and plastic surgery for cosmetic and other personal reasons.